So the subject of the talk of tonight is patience. The Christian saint Augustine said once, Patience is the companion of wisdom. What we call practice means creating a matrix, an atmosphere in our mind, in our heart, in which wisdom and love and compassion can grow and can manifest. And one model that illustrates from which factors this matrix or this inner climate is made of is the model of the so-called ten paramitas from the Theravadan tradition or in the Tibetan tradition one talks about, about the six paramis, ten qualities of the heart and mind that we cultivate and that help us to reach the other shore, that help us to cross the river of suffering and reach the shore of safety and of freedom. And I'd just like to list briefly those ten uh, paramitas from the Theravada tradition. One is dana, generosity, then shila, the ethical conduct, nekama, renunciation, virya, energy, panya, wisdom, Sacha, honesty or truthfulness. Aditana, determination. Metta, loving kindness. Upeka, equanimity. And Kanti, patience. In a Buddhist text, it says, at the end of the path, there is freedom. Until there, patience. Or, somewhere else, the path to liberation is paved with patience. I think by now we can probably all relate to that statement. Patience and, of course, also the opposite energy, impatience, are... uh, a very frequent issue in our life. And I think not only here on retreat, but also in our daily life. Because again and again we live in a kind of tension, namely when our ideas, conscious or unconscious ones, how life should be, how we should be, how others should be, how our meditation should be, when This idea clashes with reality when the how it should be bounces against the how it is. And here, of course, a great deal of suffering arises, be it in the reaction of aversion, despair, guilt, depression, restlessness, and, of course, impatience as being one of the forms of aversion. It is also said that patience 
is the highest expression of renunciation. It's a kind of letting go of exactly those ideas that we have about us, about life, about this moment. And that patience also is the highest expression of devotion. Namely, devote oneself towards this very moment, how it is right now. And patience doesn't mean gritting one's teeth. It doesn't mean getting numb or to deny the unpleasantness of a situation. Patience is not something that we should cultivate, but it helps to make the unpleasant bearable. And I think we very often associate waiting with patience, waiting until the unpleasant has disappeared. So lost in our hope that another experience might make us happier, we don't see sometimes that we behave like a bird that tries to escape from a room, constantly bouncing against the window while the window next to it is actually wide open. In a text, and I don't know the source, I find... Uh, quite an interesting definition of this quality of patience. It says, the students ask their teacher, what is the secret of your calmness and your equanimity? And he answers, wholehearted, unrestricted cooperation with the unavoidable. Vielleicht das noch auf Deutsch. Also Geduld bedeutet ein vollumfängliches, uneingeschränktes Kooperieren mit dem Unvermeidlichen. Patience means relaxation. When we are already in the middle of a difficult experience, then patience is the kindness, the compassion, the metta, the friendly attention to leave the difficult to be difficult. We don't, in that moment, stress ourselves with an ideal that doesn't fit our present experience. And Perhaps an example from our daily life, we might have times when we feel overwhelmed with either our inner life or our outer world or both, as it happens sometimes, that on both levels uh, we are um, challenged quite a bit. And often in, in such a situation we stress ourselves thinking that we shouldn't feel that way, that we should be able to cope and handle this with grace and with equanimity. And this might especially be so if we've been or regard ourselves as a long-year practitioner. 
Now, if we can acknowledge that right now we do feel overwhelmed, this often helps to give some space already. The situation might still be the same. This hasn't changed, but there is some acknowledgement there that allows for some breath, for some space in that moment. Or in the formal metta practice, perhaps we direct the metta phrases, the good wishes to our benefactor, and suddenly this emotion of envy comes up. And we might stress ourselves because we think we shouldn't feel this way. We should be grateful and feel happy in thinking of that person that we love and respect, really. And if we can bring the attitude of gentleness to that very unwanted envy or jealousy, if we can just let it be, then we are not adding more suffering to what is already painful to be with anyhow. And at the same time, we see that also this thought of envy or this emotion of jealousy or whatever it might be is by its very nature very transparent. It also passes by itself. As St. Augustine said, patience is the companion of wisdom. And it's also by being aware of the impermanent nature of this inner or outer experience. This again also helps us to be patient. There is this very beautiful uh, quote by Saint John, the Spanish mystic. He said, Tenderly I now touch all things, knowing one day we will part. So patience is strength. It's, it's a power. Of course, impatience is also power. And it's certainly one of uh, today's disease of our of our world here i feel we very much live in an instant society there's not only instant soups there's instant breakfast you know there's you get this advertisement for this bottle of some breakfast drink and just have this bottle of energy drink for breakfast and you've got more time for real life. We expect instant gratification of our desires, instant results also in our meditation practice. We are very much affected from the world we live in. And we check from time to time, you know, is it working? Is it working in our meditation? Am I calm already? Only six more days to go. 
And we, of course, also immediately make our assumptions. You know, I'm a failure, I'm a winner, I'm a loser, I'm, I'm great. A friend of mine, she's a therapist and she does a lot of group therapy. And some time ago we spoke about her work and her groups. And she told me that over the years, and she's working now for more than 25 years uh, doing this kind of, of work, that she can observe changes of behavior uh, in the people who, who register for uh, coming to work with her. For example, uh, she sees that over the time there seems to be less commitment. People uh, register in the last moment, maybe one day before the actual course starts, or they also cancel just the very uh, last day before it begins. When the weather is nice, they might not come because, you know, there's something else one can do. And she also notices that there is more and more the expectation that the problem will be fixed after one or two sessions, that people really do have less time, you know, and, and patience to and the awareness that maybe, you know, it, it does take time to... Uh, solve certain uh, behavior and problems and difficulties. Of course, patience is, and that's very obvious, it's very helpful when our experience is unpleasant. It's not so much an issue when things are going well and we have what we like and we don't have what we don't like. But if it's difficult, it helps to relax into this unpleasant situation, experience, inner and outer. I remember uh, very vividly uh, quite a painful situation where there was quite a lack of patience when I was a child. And some women uh, of, of my age here, they might uh, be familiar with it, this kind of situation at school. Then the girls had to, of course, uh, learn needlework. And one time we had to knit a so-called flick socken, a kind of a... Um, how do you call that? <laughs> a sock. You had to make a hole in the, the sock that you just finished knitting in order to learn how to mend that hole. And I really hated it. I mean, I thought such a stupid idea. <laughs> and I tried hard, and I would get so angry, and I... It was so bad. I so much remember it in my body, how this felt. <laughs> Total furious about having to do this. And I really didn't succeed, so I brought it home to my mother, who very patiently took it on and did the, the work for me, and I uh, proudly went back to school and <laughs> 
present it. So I think we all know it really feels, you know, really painful when we are lost in this energy and this, uh, you know, unbearable, when things just seem unbearable and we can't just stay another moment or in the sitting we look at the clock every five seconds and it just doesn't seem to go on the time or we think they've forgotten to ring the bell up front. And in our formal meditation practice here, patience, in a way, it's really this willingness to engage in our moment-to-moment experience. Again and again, this willingness to make contact with our breath and keeping this contact. Learning to engage in the flow of the breath. Often impatience has other plans, much greater plans than just being with this one in-breath or this one out-breath. Or we engage in the flow of our experience, in this emotion, this experience of hearing, this sensation of the body. Not so much just being lost in our preferences where we would like to place our attention. Also, our body requires a lot of patience. Our mind often, you know, it's much faster. And sometimes we, it's hard, you know, to, to really place one's attention in the body because it's so slow and sometimes it's painful. Something one can experience in the walking meditation quite well. You know, often our, our head is always a little bit one, one step ahead from the actual step that we are doing at this very moment. Or we are already at the end of our walking path, not really here where we are right now, leaning into the next step, into the next moment. And really settling the attention into this one step at a time requires quite a letting go over and over and over again. Or with the metta practice, we find ourselves rushing through the phases as if more phrases somehow would lead us closer to the goal. Or somewhere down the line, metta is waiting for us. You know, it's not right now, it's not available. But if I do 1,000 phrases instead of just this one here, somehow I will get what I expect to get. This is the Dalai Lama about this quality of patience. When it is said that one should be patient, that doesn't mean that one should be defeated or overcome. The purpose to engage in the practice of patience is to become stronger in mind and heart 
and also to remain calm. In that atmosphere of calm, you can learn wisdom. If you lose patience, if your mind gets out of control with emotions, then you've lost the power to see clearly. But when you're patient with the basis of altruism, then you don't have to lose that strength of mind. You can even increase your strength. So he says impatience prevents us from seeing clearly. And there is this a story that might actually illustrate that. It's a spiritual seeker who ran into a house in which, as he was told, a great saint from the east was living. And he approached the woman saint who sat on a prayer carpet and asked for her teachings. She replied, I have three things to tell you. First, you are too excited and too impatient to understand what I tell you. Second, you stand on my foot. (laughs) Third, I'm the servant here. The saint lives next door. (laughs) So, patience prevents us from seeing clearly. In an interview, the Dalai Lama was asked about his apparent lack of anger and his seemingly deep patience towards the situation of the Tibetan people. His country that had been taken away from him and his people injured or killed. And he replied, yes, this is true. They have taken all of this. Should I let them take my mind and my peace as well? Another facet of this quality of patience, I think, is that of flexibility of mind. This inner attitude of non-opposition, a quality a little bit like the water that flows around the stones in a riverbed. Patience isn't weakness, as we've heard, it's really the strength that allows us to not struggle against obstacles. Water flows around stones, obstacles, but it has at the same time an immense power. It has the power, for example, to create something like Grand Canyon in the States. Those of you who uh, visited that place, you know, it's very impressive. Another example of nature and this quality of flexibility I was told, I've never seen it myself, that in Hawaii, in very stormy weather, even the eight-meter-long bamboo bends its ends to the ground, so then when the heavy wind stops, the bamboo just rises again without being broken. 
not resisting the wind, it survives the wildest storms like that. And patience also means admitting that we don't have it all under control. In this sense, patience is a kind of humility, but also uh, a kind of living with reality and with the laws of nature. When everything goes well, we, I think, and it's really true, I think, for all of us, we tend to become sometimes a kind of conceited as you know, and and claim all this going well as being our success. Of course, the same we do with failure. We also claim it as our failure. And as if every achievement were due to our own efforts alone, not seeing that many conditions and circumstances need to come together for this experience to happen right now, be it the success that we experience at this moment or be it the difficulty, the so-called failure. Really what uh, Master Sheng Yen, whose uh, biography I, I talked about the other night, very much emphasized. You know, he over and over would uh, emphasize that Conditions, causes and conditions come together and that's why who we are, who we are. Patience also is spaciousness. Patience lies opposite from aversion, but I think also from stubbornness. With patience, we have the space to see. The Dalai Lama said, you know, it, it, if there is impatience, it's, it robs us from seeing clearly. With aversion, stubbornness in the mind, our view is very narrow. There is a, a very nice saying by Rainer Maria Rilke. He writes... Patience allows us to see each other, but also situations, of course, against a vast sky. And impatience doesn't allow our clarity to stay. It is like a thief stealing our resources. And in moments of impatience, we usually also don't trust. There's also a lack of trust, of confidence. We, in those moments, try to tear open the petals of a bud, or we pull the carrots to make them grow faster. We hurry through the meta phrases. We try to make the meta happen or the calm. Munindra Chi, he was a Vipassana teacher, a teacher of many uh, of my Vipassana teachers, actually. He said once, 
When the fruit is ripe, it will fall off the tree. And this sounds kind of very casual in a way. We all know that, yes, of course, when the fruit is ripe, it will fall off the tree. Nothing new. And yet, we, we over and over, we don't behave like that. We don't live our life like that. We don't view our practice like that. So patience is really also trusting in this law that everything has its rhythm. Everything takes its time to ripen. And then it actually will. It's very lawful. In the metta practice, it has very much to to do with trusting the power of our wholesome intention and then letting go of any expectation. You know, that's really what we can do over and over again. We can just plant the seed of kindness, plant the seed of compassion. That we can do, and it's important that we do it. That makes a big difference. But then, when and how it will manifest, that's out of our control. Suzuki Roshi, a famous Japanese teacher, he once wrote, It is when your practice is rather greedy when you get discouraged with it. And I think that's very obvious. Another facet of this quality is that of endurance, the courage to stay with something unpleasant to have a long breath. This is uh, Michelangelo, the famous sculptor. He said, apparently, if people knew how hard I worked to get my mastery, it wouldn't seem so wonderful after all. And he also said, genius is eternal patience. And I think he really knows. Yet another side of this quality is that of forbearance, Nachsicht auf Deutsch. The ability to admit and accept our and others' shortcomings. Even though we might do something with our best motivation and greatest care, the result sometimes doesn't match our initial goal. Often we then, in this moment, react with aversion. We react with blame. And again, also for this reason, it's most helpful to put great emphasis and care on our motivation and not being fixated on our actual goal. That's really what we can plant, what we can cultivate. And we also need forbearance when we see how strong our old habits are. We need a certain respect towards 
the power and depth of certain energies in our mind, such as aversion and desire and many others. Shantideva, he writes in the so-called Bodhicharya Vatara in, uh, in the part where he talks about the perfection of forbearance. A person does not get angry at will, having decided, I shall get angry, nor does anger well up after deciding, I shall well up. Whatever negative deeds of various kinds there are, all arise through the power of conditioning factors, while there is nothing that arises independently. So things might not be so personal as we tend to evaluate them. I very much like the honest, but also I find very amusing statement by Basho, a Japanese poet, while he was visiting Kyoto, a very, still very famous pilgrimage place in Japan. He writes, while actually being in Kyoto, even when I am in Kyoto, when I hear the cry of the cuckoo, I'm longing for Kyoto. <laughs> so the habit of longing is so strong, even when we have what we want, desire kicks in. It's sometimes actually quite funny when we realize that. Or in the meta, we might experience a moment of meta, but perhaps it's not so loud. It doesn't show itself as we expect it to be, and we miss that moment of meta. Or we might experience a moment of calm, but we might miss it by looking for calm. I mean, it sounds a bit strange, but I think it's quite often that this happens. And there's one last aspect I'd like to mention, uh, another um, shade maybe of this quality and this set of tolerance, the ability to tolerate something, not needing to get rid of the unpleasant or the foreign. And of course, in our meditation practice, again, it's the ability to tolerate all mind states, especially, of course, in this regard, the, the unwanted, the painful, the embarrassment, perhaps, or the reactivity when it's already happening, or the conceit, the envy, the impatience, the loneliness, so instead of continuing the war, we bow to our inner struggle in a moment of patience. This means being able to stay with our present irritation and doesn't mean being lost in it 
or being able to stay with a difficult person, not demanding or pretending to f- not to find that person difficult. Having the capacity, the spaciousness to bear something. And at times, really, it means not to react upon the impatience or the irritation that is already here. And this, of course, if we hear all that about this quality of patience, it doesn't mean that we should tolerate everything that exists in this world. But I think especially here on a retreat occasion, we can really learn to widen and deepen our capacity to hold the whole range of inner moods and emotions and experiences that we have and do have as as human beings. And I think the more space we experience within ourselves for the most pleasant and the most unpleasant, the less we need to just react and the more often we can actually act wisely when it's appropriate. So patience, love, is a kind of matrix within which wisdom can grow. The wisdom when and how to act. And as one, of, one poet once wrote, it is patience that fills us with a, an amazing tenderness. And I think that's very often very useful and very effective when we do act. And I'd like to end with a text by Ajahn Chah, a Thai uh, monk from the forest tradition who was the main teacher of one of my main teachers of Achan Sumedho. And it's called Let the Tree Grow. The Buddha taught that with things that come about of their own, once you have done your work, you can leave the results to nature, to the power of your accumulated karma. Yet your exertion of effort should not cease. Whether the fruit of wisdom comes quickly or slowly, you cannot force it, just as you cannot force the growth of a tree you have planted. The tree has its own pace. Your job is to dig a hole, water and fertilize it, and protect it from insects. That much is your affair, a matter of faith. But the way the tree grows is up to the tree. If you practice like this, you can be sure all will be well and your plant will grow. Thus, you must understand the difference between your work and the plant's work. Leave the plant's business to the plant 
and be responsible for your own. If the mind does not know what it needs to do, it will try to force the plant to grow and flower and give fruit in one day. This is wrong view, a major cause of suffering. Just practice in the right direction and leave the rest to nature. Then, whether it takes one or one hundred or one thousand lifetimes, your practice will be at peace. So, just a few minutes sitting quietly. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.